a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the party, pal. Today is Wednesday, January 10th, 2024, episode number 532 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Matt McDaniel, Jordan Rudolph, DJ Bisek, making the peanut butter and jellies, Jenny Housley, Jesse Johnson, Worsley, Marcus Kyler with the Yeet Crew, <laughs> Michael McBride, Divine Dream Divine, James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet, folks on LinkedIn like Marzella Woolham's. Folks on YouTube like Cyber Hamburger, long-timers, first-timers, everything in between-timers, we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. Matthew Necci coming in with the blue badge. We're all ripping up the top cyber news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories, on what it means to you, on how you can deliver cyber risk reduction for your business stakeholders like a boss, and if you're looking to break into the industry, you are going to get massive value here in multiple pillars. Pillar A, you're going to be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current? Boom. Answer one. Pillar two, the networking is phenomenal. Look at all these wonderful people over here. Laura Flores, Divine Dream Divines, James F., Zemeth, Jeff Watala, the Blue Badge crew. The networking is phenomenal. Everybody's supportive. Everybody's inclusive. Say hi. Get going on your professional networking. And third, you're going to get exposed to terminologies, concepts, threat actors, behaviors, trends. It's all gravy in here. So get it settled in and get ready because we're in for a great show today. As a reminder, I do not prep or research any of these stories, specifically none of them. I, even today, I, didn't, I don't even know what the headlines are because of production issues. I'll just leave it at that. So you're getting my rough, rugged, raw, riding low on a hip on a train bound for glory reactions and hot takes on each of these stories, Mercy! which is part of the fun because I don't even know what I'm going to say. I want to say shout out and <clears throat> thanks to the stream sponsors. Thanks and shout out to the stream sponsors for helping me bring these hot takes every single morning straight to your phone or PC, starting with my good friend, Eric Taylor, uh, long time. I'll, I'll go ahead and throw a moniker, Platinum Sponsor, Eric Taylor and Barricade Cyber Solutions. Listen, y'all, Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send de dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But guess what? Did you know Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents? Believe that. Check them out. Navigate your across the information superhighway to barricadecyber.com and get all up in that. Links in the description below. Also want to say shout out to my buddy Brandon Poole and his crew over at Panopsi. Panopsi Security, get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals. If you need help running a tabletop, you need help executing an enterprise risk assessment, you just need help because you've only got two hands, two legs, and one head, and you need about six of those to do what you need to do in 2024 for your cyber program, that's what you need to do. VC so work, everything down to MDR and uh, detection tuning. They've really got quite the um, Swiss Army knife of activities and skills over there. PanopsiSecurity.com, don't sleep on them. Also anti-siphon training, but more about them at the mid-roll. It is Wednesday, which means we've got Worldwide Wednesday coming in hot. So if you don't know what that is, stay tuned. You're in for a treat. A little Daft Punk hot action. 
Guys, I want you all to know that each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. That doesn't sound like a lot, but believe me, half a CPE every single day stacks up. So say what's up in chat. Hashtag first timer if today is your first time on the stream. Hashtag first timer in chat. We love to welcome our newcomers. Believe me, when you identify as a first timer, you're going to get a special emote, a special sound effect, and you're going to get a whole lot of love coming from the community. I promise you that. If you are a long timer, whether you're on replay or live with us right now, hashtag Team SC. We are one community, y'all. Hashtag Team SC in chat. Hell, I, sorry, Kennedy. I might be uh, up here screaming in this mic, but I am also a Team SC member, so I'll drop it in chat too. All right, guys, do me a favor. Get your coffee. Get ready. Get your fingers. We might have to do one of these moves. Get your your typing fingers ready. Maybe your thumbs if you're on mobile, because we're about to go around the world, people. I am in the uh, just so everybody knows, I am in contracts with ACI Learning to renew uh, the Worldwide Wednesday promotion for the rest of 2024. They have to get a contract back to me. So as of right now, ACI Learning is tentatively sponsored by. AC, Worldwide Wednesday is tentatively sponsored by ACI Learning, but stay tuned for more on that. All right, here's what we're going to do. If today is your first time in chat, if today is your first time in chat, let us know it by hashtag first timer. Welcome to the party, pal. I also want you to know that every single Wednesday, every single day of the week has a special little segment. And Wednesdays is one of my favorite because on Wednesdays, we show just how amazing the Simply Cyber community is both internationally, inclusively, diversity, the whole the whole gambit. We are one, and it's freaking awesome. So check it out. When I say go, just let me know where you are. We're going to set the clock for two minutes. We're going to get Daft Punk rolling. Oh, my God. Here we go. Mods, get ready, because it's going to be a hot mess express for me. Clock set to two minutes. Let's go, people. Let's go. Where are you at? Let's do it. Carrie, bringing uh, Texas online for the United States. Good old Alabama. Love it. Roll Tide, Priceless Pancake. Poland's in the house with Senfless. Good to see you, Senfless. Vegas strong. I see you. Las Vegas getting up early this, storm, this morning. Australia from Marcio bringing in the Down Under. Denver's in the house. Virginia, Australia with Mystery Mike. We're getting a, a Canada's in line. Alberta's in the house. Tampa, Ontario, Asheville. Love myself some Asheville. What's up, Phoenix? I'll be out there in April. Um, I saw Afghanistan. Let's bring Afghanistan online. Afghanistan's online. UAE is online. Yes, UAE. I see you. Hey, what's up, Long Island? Cape Coral, Florida. I love it. What's up, Scotia? I see you. Hotland is in the house. Another Afghanistan. LA's getting up early with Knowledgeable Kim. Love it. Minneapolis is in the house. Chi Town. What's up, Dodge County, Wisco? Big time, NYC. A lot of America in here today. What's up, Ireland? Love it, love it, love it. Thank you, Low Country, Rhonda. Michigan's in the house. Bangalore, bringing Asia clearly online. Where, where is our AD Kid 076? Rhode Island. Wait, hey, come on. Where is our African contingent? Africa's always bringing the heat. There's Ethiopia. I see you, Ethiopia. Thank you. Spain's in the house. We got some hot European action today. North Dakota. It is cold in North Dakota today. Hey, Silver Spring, Maryland. What's up, America? Yeah. There we go. Maryland's in the house. Anthony Singh representing India. All right, we got the boot bringing online. Do we have our Columbia friend? Do we have our Columbia friend, Malawi? Holy crap, X developer. I know that's in Africa, but where is Malawi? Uh, mods, we'd have to Google that one. I've never even heard that one. UK, 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 done. Got it, got it, got it. Wildwood, Florida. Ghana was called out. All right, we got Ghana online. All right, let me pause Worldwide Wednesday. All right, guys, let's take a quick little sniff of the map. We got Africa, Europe, Asia, Australia, North America. And it looks like we've got a problem here. Kimberly is saying Colombia. Jenny Housley is saying Colombia. We got Colombia. People, you know what we've done. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Worldwide Wednesday is so hot. That Hansel's so hot right now. All right. I love it. I see you. <clears throat> Excuse me. I see you, Kenya. 
I see some of the other ones. Malawi, I'm going to have to get it. Liberia's in the house. We're bringing, we're bringing the heat with, um, with Africa online. Great work, everybody. Romania's in the house. I see all of you. This is so good. All right. It is the fastest two minutes in all of cybersecurity, but we do, <clears throat> excuse me, we do have work to get to. Unfortunately, I wish we could just hang out and and do this, uh, but we do got work. So do me a favor, sit back, relax. Congratulations, everybody, for going around the world. We straight up crushed it. Uh, Malawi is next to Mozambique. Thank you. I will look that up and make sure that I have it next Wednesday, ex-developer. Uh, scroll up for the first timers. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's do this really quickly. Um, DKID076 is a first timer. Nito Zapata, first timer. Christopher West, first timer. Stephanie Grant, first timer. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the party, Stephanie. Welcome to the party, Nito. Welcome to the party, Christopher. Boom. Welcome to the party, DKID076. Straight love it. That is welcome to the party, pal. That's John McClain from Die Hard. And here is the emote for you. Thanks so much for saying what's up. And thanks so much for checking it out. And like I said before, guys, it is it all, it is all about good times, but we got work to do. So sit back, relax, and let's let the hot sounds of the cool news wash over us in an awesome wave. I'll see you guys at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. These are the cybersecurity headlines for Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. I'm Sean Kelly. Bitcoin price spikes after SEC Twitter account hijack. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission's X account was hacked on Tuesday. A tweet from the hijacked account stated, quote, Today, the SEC grants approval to Bitcoin ETFs for listing on registered national security exchanges. End quote. The tweet also included an image of SEC chairperson Gary Gensler with a quote promoting the alleged approval. The news quickly spread through the media, causing Bitcoin prices to shoot up. However, the price jump quickly receded upon the SEC revealing the fake news was a result of their account compromise. The SEC has not confirmed whether 2FA was enabled on the account. The incident comes amidst a massive wave of X-account breaches spreading crypto scams. All right, super chat coming in from James McQuiggan at 25, uh, 35,000 feet. Shout out to my students from Valencia in CyberOps who I told about getting their daily cyber threat brief from me, Gerald Ozier. Hashtag Team Live. Hashtag Welcome to the Party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Hashtag Coffee Cup Cheers and hashtag Professor McQuiggan. Thanks so much for the super chat, James. Hope everything's well. Uh, and Valencia is doing good. They got a great, great uh, professor in the, in you. All right, so here's the deal. Um, basically, this is just goes to show how interconnected and intertwined society is with technology and how basically integrated social media has become as an official form of communication, right? So SEC chairman, Gary Gensler, po the SEC posted a tweet that basically Bitcoin's legit now, right? The United States is one of the largest, most mature kind of uh, markets, right? The, the world works on U.S. dollar, right? Like everything kind of um, transfers to that. So obviously there's an, a lot of power and a lot of authority in that. When he posted this, essentially it legitimized Bitcoin. Um, here we go. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. That's our friend Charles Finfrock, friend of the show, who's a big Bitcoin person. Um, it, it legitimized it, which caused the value to spike, right? Like if, if, a, if a pharmaceutical company, or excuse me, if the FDA's official government FDA Twitter site announced that some Pfizer vaccine was approved for mass use or some Alzheimer's drug was approved, the, the company's stock would shoot up, right? So this is straight up, this is straight up like classic financial market manipulation fraud. That's all this is. And by the way, I want to really call attention to the fact that the more things change, the more they stay the same. When we look at like the taxonomy of fraud, go check out my favorite book by Joseph Wells, um, Principles of Fraud Accounting. It's such a phenomenal book. Like the way that we commit fraud, the way that humans commit fraud, it's well-defined. There is basically, you can get your arms around it, kind of like the MITRE ATT&CK framework. Like it's defined. The way that you do it, the mechanisms you use, the technology that you can implement to achieve those fraud goals, that's what change. But like, dude, if you can, if you can understand the theory of <clears throat> the theories of fraud, if you wanted to be a criminal, again, I, I need to get a shirt made that said, I'm not like, I don't endorse or condone cybercrime, but here's how to do it. Like, 
if you can understand the theories of committing fraud, like you can easily do these things. And this is just another one. This is straight up market manipulation. Okay. So whoever hacked the Twitter account, I promise you had a boatload of crypto and probably unloaded some of it, right? Because the price went skyrocketing for a hot minute. They probably unloaded and then it went back down when Gary Gensler sent an update. That's all this was. That was that's all. Now, from a technical perspective, <laughs> from a technical perspective, I do want to point out the Twitter account got hacked. Now they they didn't come out and say that yes, this was uh, multi-factor authentication wasn't implemented. I'm telling you guys, a, a th there was a story yesterday, right? The Hyundai Hyundai Motor Car Company's Twitter account got hacked, and then to push some type of uh, crypto fraud, yet another fraud, a different type of fraud, by the way. We do have nuances here, a different type of fraud, but still fraud all the same. And we didn't, and they didn't have multi-factor authentication. So, bro, like seriously, um, get your multi-factor authentication in. Now, I want to remind everybody: multi-factor authentication is not a silver bullet. Should you have it? Absolutely. It is a day one control that you need to implement. And a lot of times it's part of the platform already. So like by not using it, you're making a choice. You're not, it's not that they don't offer it. Okay. Second of all, it is not impossible to hack multi-factor. You can be like, you know, um, let's say Emilio Estevez in the first Mission Impossible. If you don't remember, he, he was in it for like 30 seconds, then he died. But he was like the hacker guy, the Twitter guy. Um, you can hack these things. I can send fake phishing landing pages. I can do adversarial in the middle attack and grab your uh, credentials. I can use raccoon info stealer and steal your um, session tokens, right? There's ways to do it, all right? But also, like, I could just pay somebody at Twitter an amount of money that everybody has a price. I can give them an amount of money that they'll say, here's the credentials or like, or, or you could have socially engineered. Hi, I am the SEC gov uh, official Twitter account holder and I cannot access my account. Please reset credentials and send to me, right? There's a, there's not a million, but there's several different attack vectors here. So don't, don't, don't see if, if you know how to use a hammer, don't see all the world as a nail, right? There are wrenches and screwdrivers and buzz saws and stuff. There's other tools, other techniques, other ways. So just that's a word of advice to everybody. Like you might be really good at something and see it one way and then try to shoehorn that technique into every attack vector. Don't do that. All right. So here's the deal uh, really quickly too. Um, I just want to show you this. The mods are providing this. This is what happened. Um, when it went down, you could see here's where the announcement was. Um, it went down a little bit, two and a half, three percent. Um, and then uh, Joel Belton's uh, providing this one right afterwards. It shot back up after the clarification that the markets were not accepting Bitcoin as whatever. I'm sure if you if you look at oh this is I'm sorry I'm sorry this is a corollary. The first one I showed you this is the this is the value of Bitcoin going back down, and then this is what happened to Bitcoin. I mean, take a guess, take a guess when the announcement happened, the fake announcement, Doink, right? It went up 44 to 46,000, which is like only, what is that? Like a 5% increase, which is not bad, right? That's not bad, but still it's, you know, you're not cashing out. Um, if this was classic stock manipulation, classic, um, uh, insider kind of manipulation, money market manipulation, you'd be able to see who cashed out because with stocks, <laughs> you there's transaction records and everything. With Bitcoin, it's just the, you you, you wouldn't be able to de-entangle de or disentangle legitimate trades from whoever the hacker was behind this. If I had to guess, they're never going to find who uh, did this because basically they've corrected the problem and moving forward which is another issue. I'm sorry to belabor this one point, but here's another thing um, I want to share with everybody, okay? Because this is true. I'm going to make this a more you know moment. For our first timers, sometimes I, I get into like more of a, this is a bigger picture thing. <clears throat> this particular story, I just said they'll probably know, never know who did it. In reality, when you're really working in cybersecurity and you're really working for a business and you're really protecting them or you work at a SOC, a lot of times, a lot of times there's so many things to do and there's so much, um, so many activities to investigate and everything that something like this, like 
you're going to get it back to a known good state. You're going to cor correct the account, get it back into the right hands of the SEC. You're going to send that notification out to get it restored back into it. And then you're on to the next thing. You, in reality, you don't have time to run down every single compromise, every single incident to discover who's behind it or what happened. Like that's the reality of incident response. Like you don't have time. Like if you were to spend eight hours digging into the logs and trying to figure out what happened, you could do that. But guess what? All the alerts, all the emails, all the meetings you're missing, they're all stacking up. If you go down the rabbit hole on one of these things, it's like you're on vacation, except you're working your tail off. And when I say vacation, if you've ever come back from like a three-day weekend or a four-day, five-day week, and you took it off, and you come back and your emails exploded, and there's alerts everywhere, and people want answers, that's basically what it is, except you don't get rest and relaxation with Mickey and Minnie. You're, you're like basically pulling your hair out and your phone's blowing up because your wife wants to know why aren't you home for dinner. So just in reality, a lot of people clean up clean up the messes on aisle four, and then they go on to the next aisle. They don't try to figure out which kid kicked the mop bucket over. All right, thank you. Mandiant also affected by Twitter account hijack wave. The parade of recent X account hijackings has also affected cybersecurity of firms, including Google-owned Mandiant, which was forced to wrestle back control of its X account on Monday. Scammers used Mandiant's account to promote sites claiming to offer free phantom cryptocurrency tokens, but which actually aimed to drain wallets. Hackers branded the account and blog as belonging to Phantom <sighs> Cryptocurrency Wallet, then tweeted that Mandiant should change its account password and check out the account bookmarks that were added by the hackers. Mandiant regained access to its account and confirmed that 2FA had been enabled. The cybersecurity community eagerly awaits what additional details Mandiant has to share about the security breach. Mandiant wasn't the only security firm to have its X account hijacked this week as Web3's Certic also fell victim to crypto scammers. Okay. All right. So I've got a developing hot take. Okay. Again, I don't uh, prep for these stories. Where's my, where's my tinfoil hat? Uh, speculative hot take. Here it is. Okay. There's one of two things happen. There's too many accounts getting compromised. Hyundai, SEC, Mandiant. Um, there are a couple other ones. Something, something, there is probably some type of account by like authentication bypass some type of takeover thing going on at twitter if it was an insider threat i i think at this point they would have they would have correlated like hey you know whatever dan catledge sorry dan you're, you're the name i caught here dan catledge works at twitter and he touched the mandian account the hyundai account and the sec account all within the last week hmm maybe we should go talk to dan right so i think and, and honestly, it would never make the press, I don't think, right? Because like Twitter's not going to announce that they fired Dan Catledge because he was the hacker extreme behind all this, um, unless they were going to press charges. So it's either an insider, but I don't think so because they would have already identified that person. Or more likely, there is a technical vulnerability that has yet to be disclosed with authentication for Twitter that is being bypassed. There are too many high-profile accounts. Mandiant confirmed they had multi-factor. Honestly, the SEC Twitter account had to have multi-factor. Financial services are serious about InfoSec, okay? They don't dink around. And the SEC is well aware of the influence and power that one tweet can cause uh, markets. So they would definitely have protected that. So I think there's an authentication bypass going on. Um, uh, Joel Belton's offering up. It could be a former Twitter engineer. Certainly true. Some people will leave logic bombs or um, kind of like Easter eggs for themselves to get back, like persistent mechanisms to get back in. Some companies actually suck at disabling uh, terminated users' access, right? People complain all the time when they can't. If you get hired at a job and you can't do your job, you're complaining, your manager's complaining, everyone's complaining. Give this man his access, right? That's my, um, oh my God. That's my John Malkovich in Rounders uh, riff. Give this man his access. But if you get fired, if you quit, if you switch jobs and you still keep access, nobody's complaining. Hey, this man still has access. I don't want this access. Disable this access. No, business keeps going. Life keeps going on. So it's completely reasonable that VPN credentials weren't 
removed. Access to backend emergency break glass accounts were not um, disabled. And you got to remember um, when, what's his face? Elon took over X. He fired like 80% of staff. I'm sure he fired a bunch of network engineers. Um, and some of them may have a tough time getting a job. Some of them may want to get get that money, right? Get that paper. Great cash, homie. So here we go. <laughs> There we go. Get this man his access. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's keep going. China claims it cracked Apple airdrop. A state-backed Chinese research institute claims it has discovered how to decrypt device logs for Apple's airdrop feature. The researchers say they used rainbow tables to dehash the iOS device logs, which contain the sender's device name, email address, and phone number. Many Chinese have used airdrop to circumvent the country's censorship because the feature uses Bluetooth and a private Wi-Fi network to send images and photos between devices. The Institute says they conducted this research after Apple Airdrop was used to send inappropriate comments in the Beijing subway. They added that when such incidents occur, it's necessary to find the sending source and identity as soon as possible to avoid negative impacts. Okay, <laughs> wow. All right, so a lot to unpack here. First of all, to avoid negative impacts, basically that means dissent against the authoritative regime's dominance and control, right? That's that's what negative impacts is. No disrupting this apple cart. <clears throat> all right. Second of all, from a technical perspective, China um, cracking apple airdrop. Now there's some anonymity. If you did not know about this, basically there is a little bit of a revolution in the air, right? Get your Bob Dylan here. Um, um, what song is that? Is that um, Tangled Up in Blue? But anyways, uh, there's revolution in the air in China, right? Like, you know, I forget how many billions of citizens they have, but not all of them like um, the authoritative regime. Uh, you know, go check with the Uyghur population in Northwest China. So um, there has been some pro-democracy sharing, but typically you disappear if you're open and vocal about that. So, and again, this is just to uh, catch people up. Um, what people were doing was people would go on a subway, which is like jam packed with citizens, and then they would push an airdrop. And now if you haven't received an airdrop, basically you can send out a message on Bluetooth to recipients and it'll just pop up on your phone like a pop up and it'll say, you know, some phone number is trying to send you a picture or whatever, and you can accept it. You can even have your phone set to auto accept, which is a terrible practice. I don't recommend it. <clears throat> and people would get pro-democracy things. Now, here's the deal. It's basically propaganda one way or the other. Um, but on these crowded subways, you wouldn't know who sent it to you. You look around, everybody's kind of minding their own business. And now you've got this thing, which basically anonymized who the pro-democracy individual was who was trying to spread this word. So instead of standing on a soapbox and screaming like, democracy, democracy, they would, they would sign, because basically if you stood up on the soapbox and yelled that, the Chinese... <laughs> uh, party would basically take you off that soapbox and then no one would see you again. So this is a subtle, anonymous way to do it. Now, the interesting story is China, through technical means, has figured out how to crack that and identify the number and email address of the individual sending this. So that is a interesting piece of security research, one that is wild and would be a great black hat talk, although I don't think China is going to uh, present this research. Now, the, the shooty thing is, if I was a pro-democracy citizen in China who was sending this information out, I would be crapping my pants. I would be really concerned at this point because chances are many of them did not get a burner iPhone and set up a burner Apple account. They probably just sent it because they felt like it was anonymous. So now the Chinese, I don't know, uh, authoritative police, whatever you want to call them, have a phone number and email address to go find these individuals and talk to them, um, which is scary, right? Like talk to them, shake them around, tell me who you're working with, these things, right? So um, very concerning if it's true, right? This is China claiming it. That doesn't mean that they have the information. That doesn't mean that they know who these individuals are, uh, but just, you know, be mindful. And um, don't ever, you know, I mean, privacy is important. Anonymity is important. But like, dude, you really got to think through, um, you know, the decisions you want to make and not make wild assumptions. A signal, as far as I know, is the closest one to um, 
uh, promoting encryption and security around anonymity and confidentiality. Not really anonymity, but all right, let's keep going. Anyways, Apple, Apple airdrop cracked. Like, which doesn't, this is the thing. Like, this isn't such a big deal to me. Like, I'm not educating my executive. Hey, you got to be careful with who you're airdropping. This is more of a confidentiality busting thing. Uh, by the way, um, Ryan Pearson passed his pen test plus cert yesterday. Let's go, Ryan Pearson. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, oh, oh, by the way, also, uh, thanks, uh, Jonathan Lindsay. Um, they said in the story that they used rainbow tables to crack it. So this wasn't a technical zero day reverse engineering open uh, IDA and like get into the bits and bytes. They used rainbow tables, which is basically pre-computed hashes. You can't reverse a hash back into the original content, but you can calculate hashes and then see if they match to know what they originally came with. That's what they used. Again, I don't know how a rainbow table would work into cracking um airdrop messages. I don't know what they were using rainbow tables on, but just so people know, that's what a rainbow table is. Nigerian gets 10 years for laundering millions stolen from elderly. On Monday, Nigerian man Olugbenga Lawal was sentenced to 10 years in prison for conspiring to launder millions stolen from elderly victims. Lawal worked directly with the leader of Nigerian Black X crime group, which targeted elderly victims through online romance scams, ultimately persuading victims to transfer large sums of money to fraudulent accounts. In all, Lawal oversaw deposits totaling more than $3.6 million, then laundered the funds back to Nigerian accounts through a series of transactions, often including automobile shipments. In addition to his prison sentence, the court ordered Lawal to pay nearly $1.5 million in restitution. In October of 2020, Interpol arrested more than 70 suspected Black Axe members. All right, so check it out. It says Nigeria. So a couple things. One, Nigeria was in the news recently for like blowing up in a good way on um, uh, digital literacy, cybersecurity, education opportunities, um, like kind of evolving as a country to be able to stand on their own two feet and deliver cyber risk reduction to the country itself, the businesses in the country, um, et cetera. Um, so yes, this is perfect. So uh, what is interesting is, first of all, uh, shame on this dude. Like you suck. Like taking out Elderly people taking out kids, taking out people with cancer. Like, bro, like you are scum. It, it's so scummy to attack a marginalized population that, that really, yeah, they're an easier target because they don't know, or they're an easier target because they get confused. But like, you, that's, it's so cold. It's so cold. Um, like, do you play kickball? I mean, uh, like, does this guy play dodgeball in like a like an under eight league? So he's just like dominant, like oh, like spiking eight year olds with dodgeballs. Yeah, Anthony Carlos Amasor is Nigerian. Thanks, Anthony. This it's such a it's it's great that Nigeria is crushing it and trying to go. It sucks that things like this happen. Now I want to point out they say Nigerian, which is kind of rolling all of Nigeria into this. But <clears throat> but I want to point out. Um, there is a large, um, I don't want to call it a movement, but there is a epidemic for lack of a better term in Africa, African countries, um, with specifically romance scams of elderly people. So like this right here, this story surprises me zero. All right. And I want to share this with you. I watched this. Um, I want to share this with you. This right here is a uh, ABC News documentary from four years ago, four years ago, and it's about Ghana, the country of Ghana, where they're really pushing the envelope as far as like advanced um, scamming of elderly people through romance scams. This documentary is well worth your time. They, I mean, they interview the scammers. They have no, they're not hiding behind masks or blurred screens. They're just like, yeah, this is what we do. Like, th it's almost like they're, objectively unemotional about it. it. This is their business. This is how they feed their family. And <clears throat> they have straight up like playbooks, right? So like, say you want to get in, you can like apprentice with this guy and he'll give you the playbooks. He's like, these are the emails you send. These are the words you send. If they, if they say they want to have a, a FaceTime call with you, here's 15 different excuses you can give. Here's how you get them to send money. Like this documentary, I'm going to drop it in chat. Um, this documentary is excellent. Okay. 
Now, romance scams are obviously um, not new, but they are uh, highly impactful and a hot a hot problem. Uh, so I'm just happy that law enforcement. <clears throat> I'm so happy that law enforcement is going for it and holding these people accountable. Ten years in jail, not good. Uh, he laundered millions of dollars. So I mean, obviously. <clears throat> you have to do like in, in a very like detached way. If he got $10 million and 10 years of, of jail service, you could actually say like, all right, so he's getting paid a million dollars a year to be in jail. So when he gets out, like that was his job was being in jail. And when he gets out, he's going to get $10 million. Now, obviously you would hope that they would um, freeze all his assets and take that away. Maybe try to make the victims hold, uh, make the victims whole. Uh, Anthony Carlos Amasor, who identified as a Nigerian, says it's called format. Uh, Anthony, I'm not sure what you mean or what you're talking about. Uh, if you could qualify that, I would love a little bit more context if you have any around this specific development and um, this this you know situation that's going on. Um, I'll keep an eye out for it, but let's get on to the mid-roll. And now a word from our sponsor, Vanta. From dozens of spreadsheets and screenshots to fragmented tools and manual security reviews, managing the requirements for modern compliance and security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta is the leading trust management platform that helps you centralize your efforts to establish trust and enable growth across your organization. Over 6,000 companies partner with Vanta to automate compliance, strengthen security posture, streamline security reviews, and reduce third-party risk. To see Vanta's platform firsthand and access resources, plus a special offer, go to vanta.com slash CISO and watch their three-minute product demo. That's vanta.com, V-A-N-T-A dot com slash CISO. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Hey, so uh, really quickly, I asked Anthony for more context, but I see Ola Whale Adekoya. Thank you. Uh, for chiming in. Format is basically a synonym for playbook. So if you hear the word format or see the word format, uh, it is synonymous with playbook. Thank you. And, I, and I'm assuming it's what they call it in um, in, in Ghana and Nigeria and, and wherever else these uh, crimes are being committed. Um, someone threw out Darknet Diaries, Pig Butcher episode. Um, love Darknet Diaries. Love this Banksy style art that uh, Jack does. I'll drop a link here. I did not listen to this episode, but with Darknet Diaries, um, they have proven themselves so strong and so awesome that I will recommend one if someone says it's a good one without even having to listen to it. Thanks for the super chat, Nerman. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Yep. Thank you, Nerman. And shout out. Also, reminder, Jack Recider, the, the brain behind Darknet Diaries, will be a guest on Simply Cyber Live, my Thursday long show <clears throat> at some point here in the next few months. So obviously, just stay tuned. I'm here every single day, multiple times a day. Uh, let's do this. Oh, by the way, so we just did the mid-roll. Hey, first-timers like Stephanie and all the Valencia students, we do this every day at the mid-roll. All right, guys. Hey, I want to thank all of you for being here. If you're getting educational value or entertainment value, I want to ask you to do me a favor and hit that like button. If you're on YouTube, uh, if you're LinkedIn, you can do it, but it doesn't it doesn't do as much on LinkedIn. On YouTube, it will trigger the algorithm to tell other cybersecurity people what we're doing over here and hopefully get them to be first-timers tomorrow. Thanks to the stream sponsors, Barricade, Cyber, Panopsi Security, and Anti-Siphon Training. Um, really quick about Anti-Siphon Training. They're disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone regardless of their financial position which means you can get amazing, practical, hands-on skill education for $0 taught by industry leaders. Check out this active defense and cyber deception class at the end of January, the SOC core skills at the beginning of February, both taught by John Strand. It's there, I've done the active defense cyber deception course. It's phenomenal. I have a complete review video on the Simply Cyber YouTube channel. Go check it out if you don't believe me. I wear Black Hills clothes, like this shirt is a Black Hills shirt because they are so awesome at everything that they do that I am proud to be affiliated. And I'm, I'm frankly, I'm honored that they want to be a sponsor of the show. There's a link in the description below for the active defense and cyber deception and the soft core skills. 
again, if you have time at the end of January, the beginning of February, sign up, make it a priority. If you like, um, Ryan passed the pen test plus recently, Ryan, if you got the time and you're ready for your next challenge, do the active defense and cyber deception. It's from the defender's perspective, but as a pen tester, it would be nice to know what the defenders are doing so you can circumvent that. All right. Um, where are we? <clears throat> All right. Every day is the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. And I want to say shout out to Hot Hack Sauce. I think it's Michael Cooney uh, who currently holds the baton. If you want to... Um, hack sauce. If you could tag somebody in chat, good to see you, John Hoyt. Um, if um, hack sauce could tag somebody in chat with the baton, listen. If you want to grow your professional network in a meaningful way for five minutes a day, if you could invest five minutes a day in yourself, would you? You tell me. Professional networking is super valuable. I'm going to tell you how to do it in five minutes. Go on LinkedIn and search for this hashtag, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Post, I mean, excuse me, find the people posting. They are the baton holders. It switches every day. Comment on the person's post. Connect with the poster, connect with the people in comments. The next person who comes through is going to also do that, but because you're in the comments, they're going to connect with you passively. So it's like recursion if you're familiar with that concept in programming. So here's... Here's the deal. Five minutes a day. Find the post. Connect with the poster. Connect with the comments. Comment on the post. And then do that every single day for five minutes a day. Come back in two weeks and tell me I'm wrong. I promise you, you will come back in two weeks and say, hey, Jerry, thanks a lot. This is actually unbelievable, massive value. Ask people in chat. Ask Runaway Amish. Ask Alana. Ask Lagrat. Ask, ask anyone who's done it. It's super awesome. <clears throat> All right, hack sauce. Thanks so much, Michael, and look forward to you. Um, <clears throat> look forward to you um, passing the baton. Oh my throat! Here we go. La 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 la. <clears throat> All right, let's keep going, y'all. Let's keep going. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hackers target hotelbooking.com logins. According to researchers at Perception Point, cyber attackers are phishing hotels for their back-end booking.com logins to harvest customer data. Many of the phishing messages are to hotel managers claiming former guests have written scathing online reviews. Of course, the email contains a reply to complaint link, which when clicked, directs victims to a convincing-looking booking.com website where victims are tricked into entering their credentials. Researchers say the campaigns demonstrated deep understanding of the hotel industry's processes and that the use of generative AI in such campaigns is helping create more believable, context-rich messages. All right. Um... Okay, hold on one second. All right, so this is a two. <clears throat> this is a uh, basic cyber attack, uh, two-stage attack. Um, it's a great little case study for people to uh, understand. Booking.com, more like Booking. Damn, hospitality hackers. Okay, so in the hospitality industry, you got to remember that people that work in hospitality, whether it's hotels, food and bev, or whatever, they're typically trying to make the customer have a great experience. They're trying to reduce friction, increase a positive experience, etc. So when there's an email that says like complain or zero star Yelp review or whatever, the there's workflows around handling that. Hey, here's a 25% coupon. Sorry, you had a bad experience. Let me send up a bottle of bubbly to the room, whatever. <clears throat> okay. So here's the attack. And by the way, again, this is a classic straightforward simple attack um it's just you know they're targeting it's actually honestly this attack is a bit more work than what you actually need to do in 2024 because it threat actors have kind of a low bar to jump over so they set up a fake website that looks like a um landing page for booking.com okay you can do this with the social engineering toolkit social engineering toolkit that is built into Metasploit or um, excuse me, built into Cali. Rel with a super chat. 
I completed your XM Cyber Exposure Management course. Thoroughly enjoyed the lectures. Thank you. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you, Rel, so much. <clears throat> and if you're interested in what Rel is talking about there, this is this course that I made right here. It's absolutely free to take. I built all the curriculum education and uh, you should see my ugly mug here in a hot second. Uh, spitting, <clears throat> spitting. what's the benefit of this uh, course? All right, well, whatever. It's not coming up. So there I am. Thanks, Ral. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Okay, so here is the uh, TLDR on this. I set, up a, I set up a fake landing page. I buy a domain. You can see in this instance, they bought um, booking-sign.com, booking-sign.com. And they said, hey, you got a malicious thing. I mean, they didn't say malicious. They said, hey, you've got a negative review. Click here to fix it. So that's a phishing email with a URL going to a fake webpage. Now, of course, um, victim clicks through it, goes, they look like they're logging into booking.com. They're basically just handing their credentials over to the threat actor. Uh, Multi-factor authentication could help in this instance, but if you're not using it um, on your website <clears throat> or for your account, that's not going to help you. Uh, they log in and now the victim of the hospitality industry no longer matters. Threat actor logs in as the hospitality uh, account and now has access to all of the bookings of um, guests, basically, right? Now, at this point, you have a highly um, actionable list of victims that you can target, right? So, oh, like, say, it looks like this person is coming tomorrow. I could send them an email and say that their account has been canceled unless they pay a $5,000 fee or whatever. Like, <clears throat> there's a lot you can do here. There might also be like sensitive information like passports and uh, financial numbers, credit card numbers, et cetera. It's a lot of work for um, targeting individual victims. Like I said, um, like I said before, you know, in 2024, going after individual victims, unless they're whales is a lot of work for not a huge return on your investment, but it is what it is. Uh, TLDR, an email security gateway would certainly help with this. One that's next gen that kind of gets updated with real-time threat intelligence. Look for your um, your um, uh, your proof points, your mimecasts, your exchange online protections. Those are the ones that are going to have the real-time updates. Educate your end users to look at domain names. And if it seems fishy, uh, not to just click, click, click. Um, multi-factor authentication on all accounts, even once a third-party uh, cloud-based systems like booking.com, especially if your business relies on these third-party sites for uh, managing your guest infrastructure and stuff, you, you got to have, you got to have multi-factor authentication on. And then finally, um, no, that, that's basically it. Those are your top controls to deal with that. New York AG compels healthcare firm to invest $1.2 million in cybersecurity. In May of 2021, Rafua Health Center was hit with a ransomware attack by Lorenz Gang, which accessed sensitive information of more than 250,000 people. The gang broke in through a video camera system and then pivoted to the network using administrative credentials from an IT vendor that had not been changed in 11 years. An investigation by the AG's office revealed that Rafua failed to implement basic security practices, including deactivating inactive user accounts, rotating credentials, restricting employee access to certain parts of their network, using multi-factor authentication, and encrypting patient information. Additionally, Rafua failed to send breach notices to 79,000 affected individuals. New York Attorney General Letitia James said the health center will have to pay a $450,000 penalty for its security failures. The settlement includes a $100,000 discount incentive if Rafua makes good on its commitment to spend $1.2 million on better cybersecurity protections between 2024 and 2028. All right. So for you first-timers here, this sounds like a new story. For you long-timers, we actually covered this story yesterday. Uh, so I'm not going to go into too much more detail on this. This is um, the Attorney General. I think her name's Letitia James. Uh, let me... Uh, yeah, Letitia James. Um, she, she's, um, she's a force to be reckoned with, man. She's like, she's, you want to talk about a wrecking ball. <clears throat> she's straight up going after everyone. Like, uh, you know, it, it, it's awesome. Uh, she's holding this, uh, healthcare firm accountable. I said yesterday that this actually isn't going to move the needle for other firms. I mean, if they just have to pay a small fine and then be forced to invest in cybersecurity, well then why not? 
run YOLO, run higher profit margins. And if you get popped, you're going to invest in cybersecurity anyway. So like it, it, this one's not really cool because to me, the punishment aligns with um, what you would do anyways, right? Like, so imagine you're like riding your bicycle and your parents are like, imagine you're a child, okay? And you're riding your bicycle and your parents are like, you've got to put knee pads on and a helmet. And you're like, yeah, forget about it, right? And then you just like straight up yard sale into the sidewalk and like skin your elbows, knees, chest, back of your hands, part of your face and like crack your dome open. And you're like, ah, and they're like, I told you, all right, your punishment is um, whatever. You, you get an hour of timeout. And going forward, you will wear a helmet and pads. Guess what? I just broke my face on the sidewalk. You better believe I'm going to wear a helmet and pads. Like your punishment is not really <laughs> curbing my behavior. It's, it's just aligning with what I was going to do anyways. So anyways, like I get it. I get it. It's a landmark case. It big, it makes big news because it's millions of dollars and everything like that. But in reality, this healthcare firm was going to invest. They would have been absolutely ridiculous to not invest after getting popped with a ransomware attack. I've worked for businesses that have you know suffered before I got there, suffered incidents while I was there, suffered incidents. And believe me, nothing quite gets the attention of the CFO or basically the pocketbook. Great cash, homie of the business, like being scared. Like, dude, if, if, if you had your house, right. And you're like, uh, like, do you want a home security system? And you're like, eh, right. And then your house gets broken into, oh my God. Like you're scared straight. You want to not have that feeling again. You don't want that feeling of vulnerability and in, and, and compromise and victimization. So you're willing to spend, you don't need to make the, like, I don't need to make the case to you anymore on why it's important. You have all the internal understanding of why it's important. All right. A lot of, a lot of metaphors being thrown around there. Um, Hey, what's the situation with the baton? Did Hacksaw uh, tag somebody? I don't see Hacksaw in chat. Uh, can someone let me know if the baton got picked up or not? And if not, then um, let, we need a volunteer. What's up, Lazaro? FTC bans X mode from selling phone location data. In a first of its kind settlement, the U.S. Federal Trade Commission has prohibited X mode, now known as OutLogic, from sharing and selling sensitive user information. Xmode buys and sells access to location data collected from ordinary phone apps. The settlement requires the data broker to delete or destroy all location data it previously collected, along with any related products, unless the company obtains consumer consent or de-identifies the data. Xmode faced scrutiny for selling commercial location data of Americans to the U.S. government and military contractors. Quickly after the settlement, Apple and Google mandated developers remove Xmode from their apps. All right, couple things. One, we do need a volunteer for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. I'm telling you, whoever volunteers will reap benefits from it, okay? Believe me. Chris Young, there's another testimonial. Um, so check this out. FTX mode, dude, data is the new gold. Great cash, homie. I say it all the time. <clears throat> um, this company is banning this company. Uh, FTC is banning this company from selling data. Um, I'm telling you what, this Exmo company was probably making money hand over fist. One of their largest uh, consumers was the U.S. government, which is hilarious because if you think about it, this was a story like three months ago. So if you didn't catch it, let me catch you up. The U.S. government can pull our records, right? It can pull my data, but it has to ask. It has to disclose that it's doing it. Why is it asking for my data? Or it can just take straight up taxpayer dollars and purchase it from these private entities, data brokers, and get the data, not have to ask anyone. So that's what they're doing. So yes, the US government is huge in getting uh, location data. Now this Exmo company is banned from doing it unless they get um, end user permission. If I had to guess, they're making so much money. There is no way that this company is going to go gently into the good night. They are going to rage, rage against the light of going gently into that good night. They'll probably send some 400 page ridiculous document. Um, and I'm being hyperbolic in order to make the point. 
that says like, oh, like Exmo takes your data seriously, but we'd like to offer you some new service or whatever. Uh, please allow us access to your data, right? Like they're, they're going to make some run at trying to get permission because this is their business model and they're making tons of money on it. What you are going to see is that right now, obviously some subset of consumers are either going to ignore the request or deny the request. So X mode's going to get kneecapped a little bit, but I, I, I would imagine that they are going to continue to attempt to do it. Now the FTC has said that they also are need to delete the data that they've collected and move forward with that. We will see, we will see whether or not that actually is true. Okay. Because like, listen, Jerry, you are banned from selling data. You need to delete all the data. Okay. So I go back into my file server. Now in a perfect world, I would hit control a select all and then hit delete and then be like, I've done what has been asked of me. I'm a good doobie. But in reality, when we're talking about straight cash, homie, straight cash, homie. and we're talking about what incentivizes people, well, maybe I do select control A, select all, and then I do control C, copy, then I do control V, paste into a external hard drive, and then I put the external hard drive on my desk. Then I hit control A and I hit delete and I take a screenshot and I'm like, I've deleted all the data. I did delete it all. Here you go, FTC, but I still have a backup of all that data. And then maybe I start dripping it back in. Like, how's the FTC gonna know? Right. Like I, I, I'm again, I wish uh, people made righteous choices. But when you're talking about money, the whoever's in charge of X mode is probably driving a Ferrari. And you know what they don't want to drive? They don't want to drive a Ford Fiesta or they don't want to drive a um, moped or what. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing wrong with those. But if you're driving a Lamborghini, if you're driving a three hundred thousand dollar car, and you're going to change your way of life. If they're staying in penthouses and eating at five-star restaurants, and now all of a sudden they're not, that is not um, what they want to do, right? So you've got to think about the individual and the incentives and the motivations of these businesses. So anyways, for me personally, glad the FTC is doing this. Thanks for protecting us, FTC. But I would argue, keep an eye on X mode because I think that they're going to come around uh, and, you know, basically be in the news again for being bad. By the way, what's the penalty if they don't, if they violate this ban? Like, let's just say they keep going. Let's say they don't even get crafty and they just keep doing things the way they were doing them. What's the penalty? A couple hundred thousand dollars. If it's a financial penalty, just like any other business that makes millions and millions of dollars, they'll straight up take the financial penalty as the cost of doing business. All right. Uh, final thing I'd say about this really quickly um, is that if you, I, I mentioned this from time to time, there is an awesome, awesome special on YouTube for free called uh, Data Brokers. Uh, last week tonight, John Oliver did a whole kind of, you know, video essay on data brokers. If you don't know what data brokers are and what they're doing in the United States, definitely required watching. It is a 25 minute video. It will open your eyes. All right. Ransomware victims targeted by fake hackback offers. Researchers have observed several instances where victims of the Royal and Akira double extortion ransomware operations were approached by a threat actor claiming to be an ethical hacker or security researcher. The fake researcher offered to provide proof of access of the stolen data still on the attacker's servers and said that they could delete it for a fee of up to five bitcoins. In at least two cases, the fake researchers appear to have made errors related to the details of the breaches they claimed to be helping the victims with. Akira ransomware gang confirmed in one case that they had not exfiltrated any data and simply had encrypted it on the victim's systems. These scams highlight yet another aspect of the multi-layered burden for ransomware victims. Dude, this sucks. <clears throat> so like this, think of like a shark, you know, those like little fish, the minnows that swim around the shark and kind of like pick at the, the bits, the scraps on the table. That's what this, this is all about. So first of all, if you're going to, if you get hit with ransomware, I, I, I get it. I get that, you know, you're really good at your job and you're a cybersecurity professional. Maybe you're an IT person. You're, you're just straddled with cyber responsibilities. If you get hit with ransomware, I, and this isn't even a like a, a plug because they're a sponsor. Call somebody like Barricade Cyber Solutions. C look at your insurance policy for cyber insurance. A lot of times 
there is a retainer for a rant, uh, an incident response company built into the cyber insurance because the insurance company knows dang well, as well as I do, that you need professionals who have dealt with this crap to deal with it. Instead, there's this like feeder market where basically you get hit with ransomware and then I come in and I'm like, hey, I'm really a criminal, but I'm like twisting my mustache wearing a white hat and I'm like, I'm a good guy. I can help you get back your data. Uh, I can hack back. Now, they're charging five Bitcoins. Immediately, immediately, if someone's trying to like do legitimate business offers using Bitcoin as the currency, that should be the first flag. That's mm, sussy. Second of all, they're basically just lying to you because they're taking advantage of your desperation and your hope to have a quick, easy push button solution to get your data back. In reality, honestly, the ransomware victims could probably talk the ransomware threat actor down to five Bitcoins and just get their data back. Honestly, um, I feel like five Bitcoins is like really overshooting, right? Because five Bitcoins is basically what, like 200 grand? That's a pretty expensive um, hackback offer. Um, the final thing I'll say too is like, don't, oh yeah, here, Arctic Wolf, MDR company. <clears throat> the, the final thing I'll say is, um, unless you know what you're doing, you should not try to hack back, right? Like most people are not um, properly skilled in a comprehensive hack back attack. And what, what you're basically going to do is, um, you know, potentially either cause more damage to your company, expose yourself to even more damage, um, piss off the threat actors and make it personal. Right. I know, I know we'd all like to, you know, be Denzel in the equalizer and just go directly into the threat actors den and whoop all their butts. But in reality, there's more better, there's better practices. Also, don't be shy to contact law enforcement. So an anyways, like this doesn't surprise me, dude. Threat actors are going to threat act. They want to make that money. Um, this is kind of, I mean, it's smart, but it's also lazy, right? The ransomware groups are the ones doing all the work. And this guy's just coming in. Basically, they post on a dark web that they've compromised whoever, right? They've compromised um, that um, healthcare organization. They've, they've compromised whatever. And then I, I just come in and email them and say, hey, I can help you. I can do it. And then you pay me. And then I run away. I run away with just holding um, un, unbound cash in my arms, giggling, giggling. And like dollar bills are flying around because I'm just like, I got all this money. Fools. Right. And that's just not good for anybody. Okay. I think that's going to do it. And that does it for today's session. And that does it. So let's move into this. Hey, if you were here just for the news, before you leave, I've got two really cool things to share with you. One, I'm super excited, is that tomorrow on um, Simply Cyber Live, my long-form one-hour interview with industry experts, we are inviting Mike Saunders, Red Team Extraordinaire from Red Siege, which is an offensive security company led by Tim Medine. Love myself some Red Siege. They're kind of like the same vibe as Black Hills Information Security. They're practitioners. They're very good at what they do, but they're also all about good times. Mike Saunders is the APT chameleon. Nobody calls him that but me, but he can like, he, he basically can like push a button and like he digitally transforms into Lazarus Group. Push another button. He digitally transforms into Muddy Waters. The dude is elite, okay? Except he's wicked, uh, supportive, inclusive. He definitely embodies all the things of uh, Team SC. So come check it out. If you're, hey, Ryan, Pentest Plus, if you're interested in uh, deeper, more advanced in, uh, offensive security operations, Mike's going to tell us everything you didn't know you needed to know. Also, I want to share with you, um, I forgot to tell everybody this because I just, I basically just did this yesterday. Whoops. If you're interested in this, and we're going to take this right up into jaw jacking, um, I have two produced videos coming out this week. You know, because in all my free time, I decided to make two produced videos. Um, this one actually drops today at 9.30 a.m. So in 24 minutes, there will be a premiere of a produced video. And this is a, a sponsored video, by the way, just so I'm full disclosure. But it's just like a segment. 
So this video is how I would break into cyber in 2024. It's a list of resources and how to go about them. So if you're looking to break into the industry, this would be a really great, I think it's like a six minute video, seven minute video, um, a lot of fun. So come check that out. We'll do it live together on stream. Um, the premieres are always fun. And then also I wanna share with everybody, I'm, I'm really excited about this one. I promised everybody this and I'm delivering on that promise. I made this video. This is a complete step-by-step walkthrough. It's about a 25-minute video. This is going to drop Friday at 9.30 a.m. right after jawjacking. And literally, it's a step-by-step -step on how you can create a wicked easy, super powerful sim lab. And bonus, I literally put three resume bullets that you can put on your resume right afterwards. They're right here. Like, like you don't even have to watch the, I mean, you should watch the video because you, it's, it's, um, it's not genuine that you put these resume bullets on your resume if you don't do the lab, but like literally do this lab, follow me step-by-step step and do it. And then you're completely within your right to put these resume bullets up in your resume. So holler, holler, holler. It's all about good times. It's all about inclusion. And it's all about the community. So if you guys want to hang uh, for the premiere at 930, please do that. Otherwise, if you got to go, um, I understand. Be well. Thank you so much. Remember, no, no jawjacking tomorrow because the Citadel starts tomorrow and I'll be teaching at 930. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. Until next time, stay secure. For those who want to hang out for jawjacking, let's get busy. I'll go grab Jerry guy. Oh my God. Come on, man. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Jawjacking. I am your host, Jerry Guy. Hope you had a great daily cyber threat brief over there. Lazaro with a super chat coming in hot. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Speaking of red team, I woke up to an email from TCM that I passed my PJPT. Next goal is security blue team. Look at Lazaro. Lazaro is a 